who else grew up hearing men are from Mars, women are from Venus? The truth is, we aren't quite as different as you might think biologically. However, we are raised quite differently, especially when it comes to sexuality. Today, I'm going to bust some myths about male sexuality, talk about what I've seen in my practice with men who come in, and, of course, talk about the Instagram poll that got a little heated yesterday. So welcome back to Beyond the Bedroom. Let's get into it. So uh, I'm your host, Birna, if you're just joining me. I have some new listeners lately, so I want to say hello. So I am one of those people who grew up hearing, yeah, I know that men and women are really different. Um, The whole think like a man, act like a lady thing, just tons of stuff like that. And I've always wondered, you know, why do we put all of this pressure on the binary? You know, it's like this very narrow mindset. When the truth is, there are a lot of shifts. Of course, it's hard to talk about masculinity because for the most part, most of the world lives in the patriarchy. There's like the global patriarchy, right? And so it can get really emotional and I get that. Um, However, most of the people that reach out and want my services as a sex coach happen to be men. Um, A lot of men want to get more intimacy, get more connection. They want to better themselves in terms of their emotional connection with their partner in terms of sex. And um, I am really happy when men reach out, um, you know, in their in their relationships because they want those things and they they know where to where to look because you know there's not a lot of great resources out there that aren't dominated with this um kind of like masculine culture around them uh and i think that it's time we let it go and i think it's time that we let people just be how they want to be um regardless of their gender so that's also something i'm going to say so today i'm talking about masculinity i'm not talking about penal health i will talk about penises a little bit today but of course not every man has a penis not everyone with a penis identifies as a man we know this if you are a long-time listener obviously you know this um if that's a new idea for you um just hold on and uh just stick with it um because regardless of your gender identity or sexual orientation you've been affected by this strict binary because maybe you've been targeted as a demographic for an advertisement claiming to know the secrets to lasting longer, dominating in bed, being a better initiator. Maybe someone in your life has struggled with mental health and not been able to open up because of a fear. Um, Maybe they are afraid of being perceived as weak. Or, I don't know, maybe you've wondered why there's just so many rules when it comes to sex. There's over 10,000 guidebooks on Amazon for sex. Just, like, rules on sex, especially for men. So, let's get into the myth-busting aspect of it first. Before I begin, I want to shout out to uh, my brand sponsor, which is Maud. Uh, You know that they make products for everybody. So if you are a guy listening to this, if you are a girl listening to this, if you're non-binary, whatever genitals, whatever gender and sexual orientation, you can get something from them. They have all kinds of bath and body supplies. They have vibrators. They have fun gifts. They have stuff to use as couples. 
they just have it all. So uh, check them out at getmod.com. Use my code B-I-R-N-A-10. That's birna10 at getmod.com to support the podcast. So the first myth that we're going to get into is that it's on the guy to create this mind-blowing sex. And this puts a lot of pressure on men to be goal-oriented during sex and also on masculinity. And this is something that I talk about in terms of queer culture as well. There's this kind of idea also with like tops having to be initiators um, and tops having to be masculine and because they need to be masculine regardless of how they identify there's that like masculine energy that they bring into things and that's something that I think we also kind of uh, should be able to decide and uh, maybe not let go of but more just decide like do I want to take that energy on or not is this part of my identity or is it not is it something that I'm just doing for performance so Having it be all on the masculine person, the masculine presenting person, or on a man in general, um, it limits really good sex. Like it limits play and curiosity because when you know what works, it can be so scary to like veer off that path since exploration can be this territory where if someone doesn't orgasm or doesn't feel satisfied, it's a failure. But I think that the best thing to do is that everyone should practice being their own pleasure advocate. So what does that mean? I think that you should practice asking for what you want from a partner and speaking up for yourself regardless of who you are. Um, And also we can let go of this whole like it's not ladylike to initiate or whatever like old school weird rules. You know, It's also not specifically solely on one person to make sex good. It's a two-way street, sometimes three, four-way street, but um, (laughs) that's just a little orgy pun, but um, it is, you know, not just that one person. And if you're alone, if you're solo, if you're masturbating, then yeah, that's the only time it's going to be on one person. But there's two people there. There's two people making decisions about their bodies Uh, So it's not just on one person. And when I say that also, not only does it relieve the pressure off both parties um, in whatever relationship, also in queer relationships, there's like, especially gay men, there's like a lot of pressure on like uh, one person to kind of like take control sometimes, which isn't what everyone wants. So it's just important to keep that in mind. But it also just relieves this pressure it relieves the stress and it opens up possibilities because if you're afraid to venture off of like the known territory then it can really limit you uh so yeah that's a total myth about male sexuality that that i think it's time that we create more choices with another one is that penetrative sex is sex but the rest is just foreplay and I've mentioned this before, but of course, penetration isn't always the main course. And when we reduce everything outside of penetration to foreplay, 
it's not good for anybody. So not everyone orgasms this way also. Not everyone orgasms with penetration or not everyone finds the most pleasure in penetration. And also sex doesn't have to follow the escalator. We can move from mouth stuff to hand stuff to penetration, back to mouth stuff to whatever else. Maybe you take a break and use toys and then come back. Like it doesn't have to be like we make out, we take off our clothes, we do some mouth stuff or hand stuff or whatever. Penetration, it's over. Like that can be a great sex session don't get me wrong but it doesn't always have to be that way so you know also sex without penetration is still sex we don't need to view sex as you know kind of using someone's body to masturbate uh you don't always have to go there you know we we also what this myth kind of perpetuates also is that all types of touch or all types of pleasure must lead to penetration in order for it to be valid. And this really hurts lesbians because they are constantly asked how they have sex or if they really even do have sex. And there's also this pressure to use strap-ons and sometimes people even say, that's not real sex or whatever. And sex is whatever you want it to be. Everyone has a different definition. So that's also something that we should keep in mind that um, saying like the rest is just foreplay, it reduces it. And also because there is the stigma like foreplay isn't real sex. Foreplay, we're, we're warming up. Sometimes that's the main event, you know? There can be a time also where you just go down on someone. And uh, there's also this thing. I would love to remember where this is from, but there was this really tiny, not a research study, but just kind of like a quiz almost about um, heterosexual couples that were in a relationship uh, for longer than an uh, X amount of time. And it was like, how many times has she gone down on him versus him go down on her? And like, that's the end, you know, of the sex. And the numbers were pretty different. (laughs) And, um, you know, obviously that uh, she went down on him a lot more without it like leading to things or or that being like a warm up. So I think it's good. Like if we reframe how we think about these different sex acts, like, you know, it's okay if that's not what you want. But what I'm saying is it opens up more possibilities when you stop making penetration like the end all be all to sex. The rest is just a warm up or not real. You know, not everyone... Um, wants that to be the case every single time that doesn't mean you failed that doesn't mean it's less than other times you know and uh if anything there's more room for intimacy when you're doing something new so keep that in mind okay my next myth about men's sexuality is that when you're having sex with someone it must end in an orgasm for it to be satisfying for both parties so this is tricky right because it can mean so many different things and you know all right sure satisfactory sex can be only limited to orgasms for some people right but what this myth kind of does is that it also kind of means that if you don't make someone orgasm then the sex was a failure all an automatic failure and that's a lot of pressure right? And it kind of goes back into that, that first one we were saying where it's all on him. He doesn't do it right. It's failure. No one speaks up about it. No one's communicating. What is this? You know, it it all leads to resentment. 
It always leads to resentment. Unresolved communication leads to resentment. So if someone is not satisfactory in bed, you have to speak up and you have to do it in a, in a compassionate way. You have to lead someone through. We don't always know everything about someone else's body. So we have to speak up, right? And uh, just because someone has an orgasm, also, it doesn't mean that it was great sex. It just means they had an orgasm. There's a lot of other factors like communication, intimacy, play, anticipation, and so much more that go into satisfaction. And again, sex doesn't have to be goal-oriented. If we could just go with the flow a little bit more, it could open up a lot of new possibilities. So the next one is a little more political, I'll say. Uh, But the myth here is that porn is only for men and it is a reflection of superior sex. So that's the myth, right? Uh, Sure, you know, porn can teach you a lot about anatomy and exploration of what you're into. It can be a great tool for people to learn new types of sex. But uh, this myth is that it should only be for men. It makes it easy to venture into that exploitative territory. Um, And like this is something that's only for men. Like women shouldn't... It's weird if women watch porn and, and stuff like this. It's like... There's a lot of various different types of porn being made. And I'm not even talking about visual. I'm saying like there's a lot of different types of erotic material out there too. And for discussions on labor rights within sex work, because sex worker rights are human rights, and I have a whole another episode on that, and I won't get into that right now, but I invite people to explore all different types of erotic material and find the one that fits because porn is meant to be entertainment and not everything should be replicated with your partner, right? And uh, you can explore different types of porn made by different groups of people, different types of people made with um, different factors involved. And it's also, there's that myth, right? That porn is a reflection of superior sex. It might not be the, the right type of sex for you, you know? You can watch a hundred videos on fingering someone, that doesn't automatically mean you're going to make your partner satisfied. There's a lot more that goes into it than pressing the right buttons. And so we need to dismantle that myth a lot. Um, And it doesn't mean that the people that are making the porn are thinking, wow, this is the best sex I've had my whole life. It could mean that, but not always. So it's like, it's good to just remember that like it's entertainment. Think of it like as if actors act in movies It's not always a reflection of superior sex for you. So keep that in mind and keep an open mind as well. Um, Unfortunately, and I'll get into this later, I put in my story, what's the best advice you have for teenage boys? I got so many replies that were just shitting on teenage boys for even like thinking about erotic material. And it just really saddens me. And I know that, you know, a large part of my audience now is from Iceland and Iceland has very conservative views so um that kind of factors into it but just try to keep an open mind uh but the next myth that I'll get into is that every erection means that you're turned on and this can go a little deep this is like a deep cut (laughs) for some people right because 
The truth is erections can happen from all kinds of stimulus. So exercise, massage, your bladder being full, sleeping, blood pressure fluctuations, so much stuff, right? So erections don't always mean that you're turned on. And when I say sexual stimulus, this is what happens a lot of the time too. So I've had a a handful of men come to me personally, but I've also read about this over and over and over from my colleagues, from my peers. A lot of men are concerned because they might get an erection without being aroused after hearing about something that is what's called sexually relevant stimuli. So it could have something to do with the reproductive organs, right? It could be that you get an erection because you hear about someone getting surgery on their genitals like and you're like why am i aroused or watching animals have sex and you're not aroused but you have an erection um or it could be that you were exercising and then you lay down and when you get up you have an erection and you're embarrassed because it might mean that you're aroused by something you just did Also, unfortunately, some people do get erections, not because they're aroused, but because of sexual irrelevant stimuli when they hear about violent sex acts. And it's a big source of shame for them because they're afraid that they're experiencing desire or arousal. And it's just that's not the case. Your brain is just reacting to hearing something about sex, sexually relevant material. So just keep that in mind that not every erection means that arousal is happening. There's a lot of different reasons to get an erection. And there's also a lot of different reasons that erections won't happen. You can be really aroused and not get an erection as well, right? So it's just those things that erectile dysfunction is this big source of shame for a lot of people because they're afraid that their partner thinks, oh, um, I'm not into you, etc. A lot of people with erectile dysfunction start to develop other means of satisfying their partner, and it actually helps and improves their sex life a lot. Uh, when you keep an open mind, when you keep those pathways of communication clear, it can be really surprising what can happen in your relationship. Um, this also, this myth that um, erections equal arousal and always erections need to happen for arousal to be present leads a lot of men and, and people with penises in general to um, buying, uh, uh, you know, Viagra and other um, erectile dysfunction medications uh, on the street or, um, you know, kind of under under the table, so to speak, which can be very dangerous. Um, Viagra is not a stimulant. I wrote a whole article on that. You can find it on my website, beyondthebedroom.org. Uh, Viagra is not a stimulant. It opens up the pathways in your uh, pelvis for your uh, veins to kind of relax, so to speak, and get more blood pumping through so you can get an erection easier. It does not increase arousal. It just increases the, you know, kind of chance of an erection happening and, and lasting longer uh, than maybe someone with an erectile dysfunction. And it's called a PDE5 inhibitor. It works with an enzyme in your prostate. It is not a stimulant. It is not the same as taking cocaine. It is not the same as doing, you know, drinking a Red Bull. It is a enzyme dependent medication it is a serious medication it can cause a lot of complications in your body if you do not need viagra if you cannot get a prescription for viagra please do not buy it off the street all right (laughs) that's all i'm going to say about that but 
this it really does harm people this myth um there's a lot of pressure uh so you know next time if you do have erectile dysfunction or you have a partner who has erectile dysfunction or you have a partner um maybe who or you yourself who has erections happening without arousal present what we have to do sometimes is do a lot of observational thinking so notice that it's happening in the body and not judge it that can be very very difficult but i promise you that it's very worth it in the end so uh another myth here is that sex needs to be in this like window of time right so kind of going off of this erection arousal issue um the sex window is like you can't come too quick because then you failed but you also can't last too long because then it's like oh i'm not into what's happening or whatever so this you know sex window that happens has to be like well timed out and um it also kind of relates to when the person with the penis comes usually like you know or when the guy finishes or he decides it's over you know so that's another thing you know it it doesn't have to end there uh if you do um deal with premature ejaculation there's lots of things that can help you uh usually they involve talking through it and working with a sex coach like myself or therapist or someone like that to create methods of um delay delaying ejaculation and usually because i work in somatics which means i work in the body uh what we do is we try to figure out why it's happening if it's organic if it's happening in the body or inorganic if it's happening from outside things or or emotional reactions or whatever um and then we work with you to develop ways to delay ejaculation by using masturbation techniques and a bunch of different stuff uh delayed ejaculation same similar process um but for a lot of people sometimes they just need a specific type of stimulus and this could be anything this could be a tighter grip or a fetish like it's you know kind of in that realm uh and a lot of the time i get people that are just so embarrassed that they last too long um like oh she's tired or he's tired or whatever and it's sad because you know there shouldn't be pressure on you to finish orgasms should happen organically obviously and they should and sex in general should be a good time it shouldn't be a chore it shouldn't be a checklist it shouldn't be a means to show how much you like somebody um it should be something you decide to do because it's you know for various different reasons and this kind of bleeds into this next myth myth of if you get turned on by anal play it's an indicator of sexual orientation newsflash you're not gay if you like butt stuff it's also okay to be gay it's okay to be bi it's okay whatever orientation or however you identify it's okay and it's also okay to be straight and love a dildo on your butt it really doesn't matter so let's drop this idea that it's weird to touch your butt as a man's because some guys don't even like their cheeks touched because they're so afraid of being perceived as gay so find what feels good and follow it and i'm not saying that you have to like anal play but just stop judging normal signs from your body right if you like the feeling 
go for it. Also, a lot, a lot, a lot of um, people in hetero relationships um, are afraid of this. And I want to, ex- I, I kind of explore this. And a lot of women say, I can't believe he asked me to touch his butt. He must be gay. I can't believe that he came out of the closet this way, etc. You know, it doesn't mean that. And also, if that does happen, you tackle that when it happens. I mean, you know, it's not something that you didn't magically turn someone gay because you touched their butt. That's just not how it works. I mean, it would be honestly miraculous uh, if that worked because like every football player, every baseball player who gets to slap his teammates ass, um, I guess they would just all be uh, really, really, really gay. So that's obviously not how it works. So, you know, um, and I'll talk about maybe homophobia in sports a different day, but it's just one of those things, right? Like you, you don't need to be gay to like certain sex acts. You don't need to like certain sex acts. If you are gay, that goes both ways. Just remember that, uh, the prostate is a very sensitive area for a lot of people with penises and this is not just exclusive, obviously, to men. We're talking broadly here. Uh, but why not explore this? You know, why not? And uh, why not also explore the idea that there's more to sex than you might have thought originally? And if you don't like it, you don't like it. That's okay. And that's also fine and normal. But, you know, don't... Um, just don't push things away because you're afraid of being perceived as a different sexuality. That just seems a little silly in this day and age, doesn't it? So I am going to go over my Instagram poll that I did because I uh, think that I got a lot of mixed answers, right? So I said that uh, we're going to talk about masculinity. So men, male, whatever genitals today is how you identify. So this was yesterday in the story. If you feel like this resonates with how you identify or have in the past, feel free to send me a DM explaining your answers. And I got some really juicy ones. So uh, I, again, explained that this is about masculinity, not about penile health. And the first question was, do you think men overall want sex more than women? And it was almost 50-50. Yep. And no, I don't think so. Um, And a lot of men were saying no, uh, I used to think this and then I got into a relationship and realized that this just was not the case. Um, And a lot of women also are saying, you know, I I thought that this was the case, but I have a way higher libido than my um, partner. And a lot of gay men are saying, uh, no, this is definitely not the case compared to what I hear from my women's (laughs) friends, etc. And um, I got really a lot of really good input also from Uh, people that maybe used to identify as a man in the past either they transitioned or they're non-binary etc and they said that um, they uh, have kind of heard it from both sides now they've kind of experienced being perceived as two different things and they kind of brought in a lot of really good input as well so the next uh, question in my instagram story is there a double standard for sexual openness from men versus women where you live. So 80% said, I feel it. And 20% said, no, not in my experience. So what I meant by this uh, double standard is that, you know, a lot of the time men are 
allowed to be sexually open allowed to sleep with more people it's expected there's this whole thing like men will always cheat men will always get around um and it's kind of like that kind of just makes excuses for people to do shitty things i feel like but also this idea that men are always down for sex they think with their penises they they're not in control so how could they you know it, it shifts the blame obviously but it also hurts other people it hurts um queer men for example that's like oh well they're double uh almost like predatory because they're both so um obsessed with sex or whatever and then it hurts women because it's like you're not allowed to do that because then you're seen as something else and uh slut shaming is something that happens constantly and i like to think of it as sexual shame and um sexual narrowness is what i like to call it this idea that you're not allowed to be your your sexual self whether that's you never want to have sex or you want to have sex every day um as obviously like (laughs) as long as you're not hurting yourself or others uh but you should be allowed to be on your sexual journey without the fear of repercussion whether that be a social repercussion or that be in your relationship there's a lot of people also that tell me I've lied to my partner about uh, the number of people I've slept with. A lot of men say they put a, num- a couple of numbers higher. A lot of women say they put a, n- a couple numbers lower. Um, I have a one of my earlier episodes, I think in like my second or third episode, is about the body count, if you want to listen to that. But basically, it's it's really weird that there is a double standard in a lot of the world today. And I see it also on more global apps like TikTok, etc. The comment sections on a lot of place, uh, you know, videos, if a man is like dancing with his shirt off, then it's like, wow, dude, you're, you know, uh, cool. Like a lot of people being like, wow, he's so hot, like, etc. A woman dancing like in a bikini or something, and she's the attention whore. She's a bad person. She's a bad mother. She's a bad blah, 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 blah. So it's like, it's still happening <laughs> all the time. Um, and you really shouldn't have to deal with that. And I'm hoping that we dismantle this because it hurts everybody, right? So the other question was, have you felt pressure to be dominant or submissive based on your gender? So the example that I gave was men being initiators, dominant, more control in bed. So 73% said I can relate and 27 said not in my experience. So most people could relate with this. Um, and it hurts everybody, right? Because again, what I was talking about with queer men is that there's this thing where it's like the one who's perceived as more masculine than has to do this and this has to fulfill some type of like fantasy about being an initiator being dominant he's the one who's supposed to text first he's the one who's supposed to kiss first etc when you know maybe that could be a great system in some relationships but for other relationships it doesn't work so well so it's one of those things that we see constantly and we consistently run into the same problems where women, if they're perceived as more dominant, it's bad. They're not, you know, staying in their place. They're speaking out of turn. They are um, having trouble sometimes even dating because a lot of people are intimidated. And then if a man is seen with a very dominant or, or not even dominant, but just like a more take charge woman, initiator, the breadwinner maybe, then it's like he's seen as weak because he's not doing his thing. And You know, it's not as much here in Iceland that I see that um, stereotype day-to-day life. It's more that I see it in sexuality, being the initiator, being the one who's literally on top, etc. 
but in other parts of the world i do see it bleed into culture and day-to-day life and a lot of people being unhappy with this so it's about choice right you should be able to be allowed to choose if you want to be uh, submissive and better or not you shouldn't have that choice like thrust upon you so um, that's really important for me to get get that point across so this is an interesting one do you think men are more or less likely to use sex toys and 90 percent said less five percent said more and five percent said other i followed up with the other they said about the same or never so interesting right so a lot of people think that it's less my experience working in a sex toy store men come in as much and sometimes even more uh than women and um that's the thing too a lot of queer men use sex toys a lot of straight men use sex toys um a lot of men in general like buying them um using them they might keep it a secret from their uh uh partner but they do use them uh there's some really 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 great sex toys available for men and i'm not just talking about for penis owners because that's like a different segment but just um marketed towards uh male sexuality etc and it's just very interesting to me like there's so many like prostate massagers um rings vibrators massagers uh sleeves and pockets there's ones that like open up that's like super easy to clean them now they look nice there's ones that they don't have like a visual on them they just have like a sleek case like a yet like a white or black case on them there's tons of cool stuff out there so um if you have a penis and you haven't experienced this or if you are a guy who wants a sex toy that isn't pink and frilly maybe or maybe you do i don't know um then there's options for you i think there's this like stereotype that a sex toy is just this like little vibrator but that's just not the case at all anymore trust me so uh i think that this is something that my audience was like no it's definitely true but it's not i think so this next one do you think men require or value intimacy as much as women and sex so 44 percent said yes the same three percent said no they value it more uh 44 percent said no they value it less and nine percent said other and i think this one was probably the most interesting to me because for me right what i see in my practice all the time is not maybe representative of society as a whole but i see it also in terms of uh people who who do the similar work that i do a lot of men crave intimacy value intimacy value compassion commitment uh body touch softness emotional vulnerability and openness kindness etc and a lot of men are actively dismantling the stuff that they grew up learning about how you're not supposed to cry etc um and i think like we are as a society like moving away from that which is like really great i know in my episode for example with Susie steller um we talked about how uh, there are issues obviously with like how men perceive sexually open women 
but there's a lot of really great men out there (laughs) and you shouldn't be discouraged and just communicate say that these things are non-negotiable for you and um unfortunately a lot of people do see this change in society and use it as a manipulation tactic like oh i'm one of the really good ones like i'm gonna be here for you and then use it to manipulate but obviously anyone can do that there's manipulators always but it's a lot more heavy right when we live in a patriarchy which is understandable but it is one of those things that i want to tell people uh, there's this myth that men don't need or require or they don't bond with their partners after sex. It's a myth. It's just not true. Um, yes, like hormonally things might happen to d- the different sexes, but that isn't like the end all be all to how we feel after sex and how we act. Uh, we talk about nature versus nurture, right? Sex is a combination of those things from how our desire rises to how we act in bed it's not one or the other we're not taught these things but we're also not completely reliant on our biological responses it's a mix so it is just one of those things where i want to remind people that um when we talk about busting these myths and dismantling them it is for everybody so uh you know in my practice men are often seeking intimacy and passion and connection and um they you know might be the initiators for sex coaching in uh, my practice that might be totally different than someone else's uh, but it's usually because they also don't know what resources are available to learn about their own sexuality without this like macho man she comes first always make her come over and over squirt in her mouth like whatever um (laughs) you know it's like this weird thing where it's like that's dominating the male sexuality sphere right now and we got to move away from that because it's not you know it just isn't helpful i think it really just isn't helpful and uh, queer men are really struggling with emotional intimacy often as well um, because, you know, that's an intersectional issue and I don't need to get into that right now. But I think, honestly, it, it helps us all when we start to dismantle these things. So these myths, right? Men want more sex than women. Men should always be down for sex. Men are more visual creatures. Men don't bond with their partners as much. One is creating excuses for people. Oh, but that's just how it is. Boys will be boys, etc. It's creating excuses. Two, it's making it so the opposite has to be true for women. Three, it's making it hard for queer men to find their identity within being masculine or being uh, perceived as a man and not wanting to do these things in a male, you know, oriented culture, right? A lot of stuff I could talk about. But I think overall, it's just we need to move past it. Haven't we evolved further than this, you know? So another thing that I asked in my story was some advice for teenage boys about sex. So I do on occasion. I know in the past I've said I don't teach teenagers, but these teenagers that found me on TikTok, they've softened me up a little bit. They're so eager to learn and so kind and so nice honestly you know teenage boys yeah sure like teenagers can be the worst sometimes but also it's just makes it so worth it when i get like 
a group of teenage boys that like come into the store and they're like hey we know you from tiktok like uh we like learned a lot and like thank you can you recommend something we're buying something you know today and um they're just really kind and nice and they respect me and um they are just really like I don't know kind to each other also and uh one of them was kind of shy you know so they like help him out and you know it's just it it makes me feel like all right the kids are all right (laughs) they really are that just makes me happy so um advice for teenage boys like I said earlier unfortunately there was a lot of people that were angry and gave this like really stern angry almost like if we scare them away from these things then uh they won't do them which again it just creates excuses for boys to be unkind to people uh and and not take responsibility for them but here's some really great responses i got from some older men when i say older i say older than teenage years uh here's someone who said you are not supposed to look nor perform in a specific way be yourself talk ask and laugh with a little heart which is really cute um and i think it's just it is really good advice for everybody but teenage boys you know like you're not supposed to do something you know you're not supposed to perform in a specific way i think that's that's really important for them to know someone else says be yourself learn about yourself and others about communication different relationships i really like that um opening and broadening your scope is very important a lot of people said respect is important um respect consent is the bare minimum enthusiastic participation should be the aim um another uh, person said create an environment where your partner feels safe to talk about their needs that's very important uh another guy that i know said consent protection mutual understanding of what it means for both that's very beautiful i think um because yes consent can mean different things to different people and so can protection so um are we talking about protecting them emotionally are we talking about using condoms like just talking about that someone else said take your time don't be in a hurry to grow up uh it's you're on your own path and i could not be more in agreement (laughs) uh other people are saying learn about the female body uh learn about your own body learn about bodies in general i think that's you know as um someone who loves biology i i always say learn about the body and knowledge is power when it comes to learning about the body uh respect everyone listen to your partner listen to yourself be able to open up these are just it's a lot of great advice in between I got some advice that was like just so intense about the porn discussion and I think I covered it a little earlier but um, yes porn is not sex education but it can be something that people watch and and enjoy and it can be entertaining Um, so something that I do when I teach teenage boys is I start the conversation by saying hey let's talk about porn let's talk about what we see in porn But also let's talk about what we don't see in porn because it kind of starts to open their eyes without me saying 
you should never watch this never do this you know because then they're gonna be like holy shit what is so intense and exciting about porn that you know and start to probably watch it even more so um (laughs) it's just like not great but also it makes it so like it's terrifying for them to even think about sexually explicit material um they start saying things like oh like now i'm scarred for life or like now they're bad people because they did the bad thing and like it's just a mess so what I do is just teach them to think critically about the choices they're making in their sexuality and one of those choices is whether or not to engage in or watch sexually explicit or erotic material and I open also their viewpoints like there's uh, audio porn and there's a lot of photos and there's a lot of stories and uh, there's also sites and directors etc but I, I don't tell them where to go I just say like open up to think critically and uh, they usually walk away with more respect also for the people involved in it um, without glamorizing it obviously but like they walk away with more respect to people they become human Um, actually recently a teenage boy said to me that he um, and by teenage I say like he's like almost 18 I think he's like 17 about to turn 18 uh, very soon but he told me that um, he started kind of looking up on Instagram and TikTok some of his, uh, like, the girls that he watches in porn, he said. And I said, they're women, <laughs> first of all. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Um, not really, but, you know. And uh, he was saying that he, he looks up some of the people that he watches, etc. And he realized the mistake he was making in the past was to um, not realize that these are real people that came onto a set that day and did this and I asked him what he meant by that and and he was saying like you know being able to see that like she has a house and a dog and a boyfriend and you know this stuff and this is her job this is what she does for a living um, it made it less like personal to me and I was like, wouldn't it make it more personal? And he was like, no, what I mean is it didn't make it so um, scary for me uh, to to just admit to myself that I've watched this in the past and etc. And he was under this umbrella of like teaching that's like, this is all really bad and etc. And he realized, he was like, well, I'm allowed to make a choice. I'm allowed to engage in this. And I'm allowed to also like choose where I look it up and what I watch and where I watch it and how I watch it, etc. And I was like, wow, that's really good. Like, I think it is really important that we teach teenagers to think critically about their bodies. And a lot of the skills that they're developing, um, you know, and I say developing because they don't just grow up overnight with perfect emotional regulation and cognitive skills right it's that's ridiculous but what does happen is that they develop these skills to think critically about their sexuality and porn is a really great place to start those discussions because how can we think critically about what we're watching without you know making placing blame how can we observe what we're feeling how can we observe how we feel about what others are saying um how can we tackle these really difficult issues so then maybe further down the line when other 
hard issues come up in sexuality like pregnancy, abortion, STIs um, in their own life, then they're able to think critically about their choices without it going into this territory of like, I have to believe I'm a bad person because I've heard this from other places, etc. Uh, I can always go into a tangent about porn, but let me reel it in. Um, but that's kind of, I just want to throw that out there because unfortunately I got a lot of replies, um, unfortunately from a lot of people that were very upset with my story that I was trying to uh, bust some myths about male sexuality and, and and they weren't from men I'll say that um, a lot of men were saying thank you for this and I'm going to my, show my sons this and uh, etc but um, you know I don't think we're going to get anywhere uh, if we constantly act like well this is just how it is biologically because it does create um room for making excuses for people to act a certain way because they've been told that that's okay because that's just how they're supposed to act it's the whole boys will be boys thing that really pisses me off and uh boys deserve to be held accountable boys deserve to be taught emotional regulation and i think when people say raise boys and girls the same way we're talking about bodily autonomy we're talking about you're allowed to decide who touches you you're allowed you're supposed to ask if you're supposed to, you know if you can touch someone else um and we're also raising them to listen to each other to be kind to one another to make good choices to be healthy uh, and i think it's really important also to teach teenage boys what to do when you do make a mistake how to apologize well and mean it uh how to create boundaries how to listen when other people are showing you their boundaries and how to be appreciative of different types of bodies so something that i also say to teenage boys especially is you should see different types of bodies read the resources meant for girls your age for example and see how it's different um be a team player be there for anyone regardless of their gender because at the end of the day we're all human beings and i always say to them doing the right thing feels better in the long term and to let them think critically about that i uh, am not yet a parent myself so i can't put myself in those positions but you know being a parent of a teenage boy can be very different sometimes to being the parent of a teenage girl obviously because of the society we live in and the the different types of pressures we put on people based on their their uh, gender identity so i think it's just really important to make sure that they're both getting like the resources meant for each other so like they see what are boys your age going through what are girls your age going through teach boys about uh periods uh teach teach anyone about periods (laughs) and also teach girls about you know how the penis works and uh where sperm comes from and what it does and you know it's you know something that a lot of people also didn't realize i remember um i think i was like 20 years old and uh i was at this house party at someone's apartment and we were talking about you know puberty and changes and this guy was like, 
yeah, I remember, you know, he was telling us the story about how his his girl, uh, not girlfriend, but like friend who was a girl, uh, got her period in class and like people were making fun of her. So he took off his sweatshirt to give her to like wrap around when she got up and went to the bathroom. And um, people were saying like, oh, that's so sweet. And he was like, no, like that's something you just should do because we're all human beings. Like we're all there for each other. And he was like, you know, if that happened to me, uh, I would want someone to do that to me. And then the girl was like, well, it's not like boys have a first something during that time, the way that we got our first period. And he was like, I mean, we kind of do. And she was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, well, I mean, there is a time point where we ejaculate for the first time. And if you don't know what that is or what it, what's coming out of you, it can be really scary. And she had no idea. She just thought that men were, and people with penises were just, you know, able to do that from the beginning, I guess, since birth. I don't know. Maybe she just hadn't thought about it that deeply. Uh, But it just goes to show, like, we don't always know what the other uh, kind of person in 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 our life is going through. So it's really important to teach all teenagers about all of the bodily autonomy and all the bodily functions and all the kind of biological stuff that's going on no it does not open doors for sex because you're also thinking uh, teaching them to think critically about these choices at the same time while also guiding them through it which is very important and that's kind of my job too um a lot of parents just don't know what to say don't know how to do it and i help a lot of parents guide their teenagers through this time where hormones are changing and their bodies are growing and urges are starting and they don't even know how to tackle any of those things. So uh, if you want a class on specifically how to talk to your teen about sex, reach out to me. Let me know uh, what you would like to know about that because I can definitely make that happen. So thanks so much for listening. I wanted to kind of shoot this one out there today. Just uh, I put up this poll yesterday and I and I felt the need for further explanation and discussion but I still have those guest episodes that are coming uh the laurels episode the vdom episode a great therapy episode uh they're all coming your way very shortly plus some more exciting topics guests and a very very exciting uh I don't even know if I should reveal this but an exciting project coming from May which is National Masturbation Month in the U.S. so I am definitely um gonna go hard for that as a sex sex educator for sure oh my god I'm so excited to unveil that for you but either way I am just really grateful for everyone who responds to these polls for everyone who chimes in with their two cents you all mean so much to me and I am just really relieved every time that we have these discussions and people learn things people teach me things um and I just hope that uh, we continue these discussions because an open forum for sexual discussion is so important and it's pretty rare that you get to have these conversations without judgment and I appreciate you all for that. So thanks so much again and remember to, if you are in the US or the EU, check out MOD. Use my code BIRNA10 at getmod.com and uh, get a little vibrator and tell them I sent you. You get a discount. 
and you get to support the podcast. So uh, also a little shout out. I will be in the States. I will be in New York for most of June. So I'm going to be announcing my dates very soon for a podcast episode, a little get together, meet up, and a class. Finally teaching in person in New York City. So excited for that. So I'll be announcing that on my next episode. Thank you so much. Have a great day or night wherever you are. And I'm sending you all of my love here from Iceland.